Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Welcome back, everybody. This is another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I am Jason A. Meiske, thriller author and host of this show. And uh, man, do we have a show for you today. We This is definitely going to be our longest show so far, but for good reason, as you're going to see. Um, you know, if you if you took a look at the name who's posted on the the name of this show, you you know what's coming, and you know why I'm excited. So, but let's start things off as we always do with a little bit of thanks, a big shout out, and thank you to PodcastGarden.com. They are the place to go if you are interested in looking for other shows. You can search by category, by type, by genre. And you can find lots of really great shows out there. If you're interested in starting your own show, podcastgarden.com will allow you to start for free. It's easy, too. You just go in there, you click the button, you start uploading your name and what you want to do. Uh, you know, Upload your show, and you're done in just a matter of minutes. Podcastgarden.com, uh, thank you so much for being the host site of this show. If you want to reach out and say, hey, Jason, I like the show. <laughs> If you have an author that you want to hear me interview, if you want to share with friends, if you want to, if you just want to contact me, email me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to facebook.com samplechapterpodcast and you can give us a like. You can message us from there. You can share with your friends. Uh, all of our episodes will be shared on there. We also share regular information about uh, past guests past episodes upcoming stuff we try and tease information the days leading up and uh you know, we always try and share whatever we can but anyway that's over at facebook.com slash sample chapter podcast you know give us a big like over there if you're enjoying the show please give us a like on whatever format that you're listening to whether that's google whether that's itunes you know whether you're coming on over to podcast garden and liking us or listening to us uh, wherever you're finding our show, make sure you please give us a rating. You know, give us a five star, four star, whatever you know. You know, maybe you know. Hey, you know, I I really like the authors. I like the sample chapters, but Jason sounds stupid. Three stars. Hey, I can live with that. I'll take it. Go ahead. Just uh, you know, <laughs> that's the best way for us to get more notice to other people out there is to get more ratings. It helps the show grow. And, you know, it's going to just give us some more reach. And you know, I'd really appreciate if you could give us a like and a rating on there and uh, don't forget to tell your friends about us too all right our guest today man you know uh, let me see if i can do some of this stuff uh without actually saying the name up front <laughs> so today's guest he currently sits on amazon at number 22 that's a, as of today uh the 25th of february he is number 22 overall on all of amazon uh, he's number two in sci-fi, number three in teens, number three in sci-fi fantasy. Uh, he was as high as number 10 on author ranking very, very recently. But you know how that fluctuate up and down. But these are his numbers as of today. And uh, I can tell you, he's got some exciting stuff coming up. That uh, ranking is going to skyrocket again here pretty quick. Uh, he's approaching 200 books in all. What? 200 books? Are you kidding me? I, he's not there yet, but he's going to be there pretty darn quick. The man started writing in November of 2015. He has 27 books that he has written himself. Six 
additional books that he wrote are stories that are in an omnibus. So that's 33 books that he himself has written, well over 100 more that he's got his name on for other series that he co-writes. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, I, I can't keep going without saying his name. Yeah, I'm talking about the Michael Anderley, the guy who created the Cotherian Gambit, uh, which he just completed book 21 of that series. So that story arc has come to a completion. Oh, man. I mean, it just if you can't tell, you're going to tell here in a little bit when you hear the, the audio of when I got a chance to talk to him. You can tell how excited I was and what a loser I am, you know, being so nervous and, and ridiculous. But I mean, not only was he putting out these books in rapid succession and climbing up the charts, but once he reached a certain point, he decided, you know what, I'm really having a good time and there's no reason why others, other authors out there can't do the same. So he started helping out other ones by opening up his, his series to other series. So he's starting off with this urban fantasy, sci-fi paranormal uh, story, branching out into other types of genres, whether that's uh, military, space military, horror, uh, sci-fi fantasy and fantasy. You know, he's got young adults. I mean, he's branching out into all these other ones because he's interested in what do readers want? You know, what, what are the stories they want to hear? As an author, he is so in tune and interested in what do you, the reader, want? And, uh, man, it's, it's so cool. Just the ideas that he, he's come up with and the way he's helped other authors, independent authors, you know, because he's, he's independent himself. So the way he's reached out to help other independent authors, you know, he's now created his own publishing company that publishes books on a regular basis, several books a month. Uh, he's got the numbers in the episode. You're going to hear that. The man wants to help other authors. He wants to tell you a good story, and that's what he's interested in. And it was a real pleasure to talk to him. <laughs> you know, I'm at this point, I feel like I'm just rambling, so let's just get on over to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Anderley. And welcome back to Sample Chapter Podcast. My guest today really needs no introduction. It's Michael Anderley. Michael, thank you for joining us. Hey, appreciate it, man. Appreciate being here, Jason. So, uh, man, I mean, where do, where do we start? I mean, it's the Catherine Gambit series. What is there's 21 books in that so far? What, what, how many? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, where do we start? Well, but I was born in 1967. Um, no, a little too far back, Mike, a little too far back. Okay. So Crithering Gambit, the first book that I dropped Death Becomes Her was in November of 2015. And I dropped four books in three in November and one in December. And, uh, then 2016, I did another 12 books or something like 12 titles. And then I started collaborating. And last year we did probably a hundred and something titles. Um, so that's in multiple universes and different collaborations that are going on. So, you know, we had talked about it and, and so just me, myself, I've got 33 titles of which six of those are omnibuses. And so that leaves me about 27 unique titles myself. I just finished 21, book 21 of the Crithian Gambit. And so that closes off that large arc and book four of the second dark ages. So those two series, um, 25 books with those. Um, two of those are collaborations with L. Lee Clark, the last two of the Second Dark Ages. And then I've got a whole universe with um, Martha Carr 
And that's the Orisarin universes. And people, whenever they see the name, they're like, how do you, how do you pronounce this? And uh, <laughs> Martha and I are scratching our heads because as the creators of the universe, we never have a problem, you know, uh, talking about it. But so we, we found that to be kind of surprising. But there's another probably 35 books in that series. So there's, there's a bunch. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I probably jumped ahead there a little bit. So let's, let's step back. Tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you? How'd you get started in writing? <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm 50 now, and I was about 47-ish whenever I got started on this whole thing. So I've been a lifelong reader. I've been passionate about reading, and oftentimes I would consider myself what's called a whale reader. And I coined that term as a, a situation based on whale gamblers who, you know, go to Vegas and gamble a lot. And I had said that, you know, uh, that people talk about how the average reader reads maybe four books a year or something. I'm like, a whale reader reads one book a week minimum. So they're at least 50 to 52 books a year. And I would be reading at times four to five books a weekend, especially if it's a long weekend. And then now I know that, you know, even that is kind of pansy compared to some of the romance readers who read one to two books a day. And I'm like, you know, hats off, y'all win. So what kind of went on is back in 2014, my wife was doing a lot of traveling. She's global marketing director and she had done this for quite a few years. So it wasn't just 2014, but she was gone. And one of my bucket list items as I'm, you know, getting into that a little bit older was to be a writer. And one of my sons, my oldest Joshua has a skill for writing, but he doesn't have my proclivity or my desire to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm just willing to try to do it. No big deal. You know, he wants to learn everything and figure it out and then stick his toe in the water. And I'm like, ah, screw it. So half because it was a bucket list item for me, half because I wanted to try to figure out how to be able to tell him what's going on, I wrote my first book. As a whale reader, I believe that I knew that, you know, I needed three books out before I did any marketing. And I had a marketing and sales consulting company for Google SEO and other things at the time. So I had a background. I knew how to create websites. I didn't know Jack about indie publishing. So there was um, an opportunity since I'm older, I had some wisdom that guided me on deciding like, you know, if this even has a chance, I don't want to be stuck writing a series that only has one genre. I want to write in all my genres because I'm greedy that way apparently. (laughs) And so I created a concept that allowed me to start in paranormal kind of vampire werewolves and then move it into another area. And it took the paranormals quite by surprise, those that really enjoyed urban fantasy. And I took their beloved vampire werewolf into a completely new direction. And the the tagline is, you know, whatever you think you knew about vampires and werewolves is wrong. So very, very wrong. And, (laughs) you know, it grew because I wrote so fast and we put so many books out so quickly. The, The whale readers just connected to it and they loved the sense of justice in the books and and a sense of family. And so the two, <laughs> the two goals that I had were, I want fans to want to reread my books over and over again, and I want to make money. <laughs> so those were, were my two goals. And, mm-hmm. you know, been, fortunately, I've been blessed and been very successful. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say so, just to say the least anyway. You know, being a writer, I guess, is like a bucket list thing that we've both got in common. Uh, for me, it was, I'd always thought about it, always wanted to do it, but it was uh, the birth of my first grandchild that kind of gave me the kick in the butt of like, man, I better get going on this. Um, And just for the record, I'm going to interrupt here. And for anyone who hasn't seen you, 
I'm looking at you and you told me just a few minutes ago, you had four grandchildren. I'm like, what? <laughs> you have four? You don't look old enough to have four. What did you do? Get married yeah. when you were 12? <laughs> well, my, well, no, I was going to say my wife is, but no, never mind. <laughs> she looks yeah, that's younger. not going to work very well. <laughs> no, she looks much younger than I do. So, but no, yeah, Wise no, man. <laughs> no, we're only a couple of years apart, but I, I just, uh, right now I have a, you've been a big in, inspiring me to get busy and get some books out there and I hope I'll have my first one out here pretty soon. Excellent. Well, hurry up. <clears throat> So you started off in one genre, moved into another, or added it to what you your existing stories, then moved into more genres and branched out into more yet. How are you finding ways to do this? Okay, so the Criterion so I was successful with my own series and producing them one every six weeks or so. And so I had reached a level of, of success, but remember that's still only one book every six weeks. And I would have readers that were telling me it's like, hey great. When's the next book? And I'm like, I just slave for six weeks to get this to you. <laughs> and you're not happy after four hours. And so it became a situation where I was starting to help other authors and I would point to them. But then the fans were asking me for stories. There was no way I could write. I already had a series that was going to go 21 books. And I knew that was going to take 18 months, you know, two years. And I'm like, what about this? So long story short, I reached out to some authors that I knew in the 20 books to 50K group and a couple reached out to me and I said, hey, I need to expand my universe and I need to work this in such a way that the fans get a very congruent emotional experience in the books. I don't want, to, I don't want you to try to write exactly like me, but we have to make sure that there's a familiarity with the stories and how it goes. And so as I'm pushing books out month and a month, month and a half, I'm starting to take up certain niches in Amazon. So, you know, if you look in the sci-fi and then you go to genetics or something or some of the others, you might see 15 of my books in the top 100. And it's like, just imagine what's going on. But from a marketing and business perspective, it's not good to own only one niche. And hmm. so we looked at it and started to decide, like, you know, let's, let's take these stories where we have this post-apocalyptic dystopian type of situation and let's write in that genre. And so mm -hmm. we, I reached out to Craig Martell, who was, was post-apocalyptic, mm -hmm. with a character that we had. And we, you know, he built the Terry Henry Walton Chronicles. That's 10 books you know, that cover 150 years of story time. And then mm -hmm. we had other situations. But really, it became down to a, just business. You know, mm -hmm. We can't put 100 books in one genre and expect to be able to keep growing our reader base. We mm -hmm. needed to spread is spread to all of them or as many of them as we could we we haven't done romance but there we go <laughs> well you know and, and i'm sure one of the jokes has always been you could always just make your vampires glitter and and you'll have there there's your foot in the door for the <laughs> romance <laughs> yeah there yeah it, it was funny because a lot of the reviews now i haven't read twilight so but i know the jokes and uh there were people like you know the, no vamp there are no sparkly vampires in these books <laughs> Well, the, the nice thing about it, I think, is that to be a good reader, it's, a, it's always a good idea to read more than one genre anyway mm -hmm. uh, to, and to mix it up, to try something, different things like that. So that, this is where one of the brilliant things for me is that I, I look at this and I see, you know, you got opportunities galore for people to come in from one genre or another and then go back and go, oh, you know what, Here, here's the beginning of it went back in this genre and mm -hmm. I might as well try it out. So it's fantastic. 
Yeah, we, we have been blessed from that situation where people are like, wow, I found you on, you know, this particular series over here. And they kept referencing Bethany Ann, you know, like uh, the Age of Magic stuff. And they're, they're talking about Chris and Lee's, C.M. Raymond and Ellie Brabant's books. And they're looking at it going, well, they kept talking about the matriarch. I'm like, who is this that they're talking about? And then I find out there's a 21 book series about that character. Right. Well, going back to Bethany Ann, your first book, one of the things that, that you did that was brilliant, aside from Dracula or a couple of other books uh, with werewolves, I hadn't read a whole lot along those lines. So I thought, well, this would be interesting to see what he does. And I, I love the, the, is it nanocytes? Is that how mm -hmm. you, how, okay. Right. The nanocytes. How did you develop that? Because the, nan well, I'll let you explain what a nanocyte is and what this did to your characters. All right, so nanocytes themselves are nanotechnology uh, or just consider them infinitesimally small medical machines that, are, that invade your body. So think of them as like little blood cells, but they're machines. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to go through your body, and if they're programmed, they're able to operate on you so, uh, and change things. Because in this case, it's alien technology being empowered and powered by what's called the etheric. Now, there's a couple of rules of physics and, and different things that says that all mass is energy and all energy can become mass. So effectively stating, except for gravity, if you have enough energy, you can turn it into anything. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. All right. So the premise is that an alien with incredibly advanced technology is able to change a human's body to accomplish certain things. So, for instance, let's say bone density. Well, your bones are set up with certain capabilities of, of mm -hmm. torsion. So the ability to, to twist it and different things, well, it is a really great design. But by now, we know that there's probably better designs for those bones. And if you have enough time and these nanomolecular robots, if you will, inside of your body, they could change your bones. So that was a concept. It's like, okay, we, we can get enhanced people out of this. And to be fair, we're actually talking about it and have been talking about it for 10 or 20 years. And we actually are doing now in this, you know, on, on our planet, this type of uh, science. And so a lot of the science that's in the Cretherian Gambit was an extrapolation of just what are we doing now? What's in the research or development phase? And what do we expect to be able to get to in five or 10 years? Now, I'm almost 50. So I recognize that when they say it should be out in five or 10 years, what they mean is 20 or 50. <laughs> but so we get caught up in that at times. The genesis is just, if energy can become anything, then what happens if you have enough? And what happens if you have a device or a million such little bitty devices that can do something with it if they're programmed correctly? And then you wave what, what we affectionately refer to as the uh, big ass magic author wand and say <laughs> we have aliens who figured it out. <laughs> and there we go. There's the, the genesis of the story. Okay. Now, at its heart, for the way it started off, these created the first vampire. So vampires came what they what we know of them today. Originally started with an alien being that created the first one, essentially. Is that correct? Right. We it goes back to the the Middle Ages. Whenever you have one man who is doing on a crusade, he gets lost, he gets hurt, he goes up into the mountains, and he stumbles through to where an alien had crash landed. And this particular alien was trying to figure out how to help Earth because other tribes of the Cretherians, other clans, eventually could be 100 years, could be 1,000 years, could be 10,000 years, but eventually would come to attack this planet. 
And so his purpose was to prepare humans by evolving them. The problem was he isn't exactly a medical officer. And so it's based on his, the technology, the human that gets started, it was so painful to him that he busted out. And so he wasn't completely transformed. And the etheric, one of the easiest ways to get to, uh, energy, and he craves energy, is from blood. So there's a, a huge connection to the etheric through the blood, and therefore those vampires actually needed it, and that's what started it. It was okay. based on an incomplete alien transformation. That, that was awesome. I, I loved that whole idea. Uh, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is amazing. I loved it. So since then, uh, as you say, you've branched out into other genres with other authors. You obviously, you know what genres you branched out into, but uh, to help our readers get a grip on this, what basic storylines did the other ones branch out into? Like I know some went into the future so many years, so many hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Some went in the past uh, sideways. Yeah. Well, we start in roughly we'll say we start sometime around 2010 for the sake of argument. And that's, you know, 2010, 2015 is approximately where the first book that I start. And then we go into the future 15 or 20 years through uh, the first seven books of the series. From there, we have a few more years and then there's a, there's a, uh, a break. And one, the main character goes through a gate and goes through another system. And then we have something that befalls Earth, which we call affectionately WWDE or the world's worst day ever. <laughs> and so we have an apocalyptic event. And so while Bethany Ann is trying to locate and, and protect the Earth in other systems, we had a situation here that occurs. And so we call that 150 years while she's gone. Here on Earth, we call it the second dark ages. And over there, we'd probably, I'd call it like the age of the empire, you know. Mm. Now, we just released book 21 and book four, which culminated that time frame, and Bethany Ann comes back and, and protects Earth. And then that begins outside Earth, that begins what's called the Age of the Federation or the Age of Expansion. So that's outside of Earth. Here, we roll into after they leave because they're, they're, they have a project they need to do. So um, Earth needs to be left alone, and it ends up becoming what's called the Age of Madness, which rolls into the Age of Magic. Author C. Clark has these rules, and the third rule is any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And mm -hmm. if you remember what we spent, uh, mentioned a little bit ago, talking about energy being able to be converted to mass, then we have a situation that if you can convert enough energy, you can make anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so the question then becomes, what happens if humans were infected and they start recognizing this ability? but they don't understand the underlying scientific premise. They okay. would think magic. Right. Okay. That's so, yeah. So the age of expansion is the same time frame. Then is this age of magic. And then we'll have an event to close up both of those ages. Okay. So we're writing toward that. So what, uh, what is next for Michael Anderley? Now that you've, you've wrapped up, well, sort of wrapped up your yeah. Catherian, uh, what's next for Michael Anderley? Um, well, the, yeah, so the Cartherian Endgame, continuing with the chess motif, uh, will start in about three months. And in between there, I've got to give out in Oris Saren, this other universe that we've created, I have what's called the Unbelievable Mr. Brownstone. So that's my series inside there. So we're working on that one. 
and got a series uh, with Haley Lawson looking at called 13 Covens and with Lori Starkey kind of consulting with her on her universe called Seven Sons. And I will I am working toward the end of the year, but also working with uh, Krishan Keller Hanna on the Shaman States of America. And <laughs> uh, there's another one that it, I'll probably release the name later, but there's another uh, series that's in production right now. And about eight other series series inside the Cretherian universe. And where Saren's got three coming out. I mean, it, it's my company, LMBPN Publishing, is a publishing company. We publish 10 to 15 books minimum a month. And so mm. we just, the fans have come to a situation where they just enjoy working with us because a lot of us are on Facebook. We're clowning around. Just as a note, I've been relatively clean here on this particular podcast. <laughs> yes, you have. It's going to make my editing much easier later. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, so... Craig and Craig Martell and I or others, I mean, we're, we're fairly loose uh, with just gigging each other. And so an example would be in the face in the Cretherian Facebook group, not the Facebook page, but in the group where the fans are talking back and forth, someone talked about, um, you know, naming people in their books and, and uh, actually that might be the writer's right. But anyway, so, you know, I'm like, yeah, that bastard Craig Martell, that bleep here, I'll just bleep myself. That'll work out better. <laughs> that bleep, Craig Martell made me a freaking, you know, uh, mayor in one of them and he kills me off. And then next thing I know, five minutes later, Craig notices this. And then, so he replies back. He's like, yeah, you were a, a bleep. You know, I stabbed you through with a pipe or something. I'm like, you bleep and bleeper, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that we're <laughs> going back and forth. So the fans are enjoying it because, you know, they're in the middle of all of this. We're all getting in there, just having a blast. And, you know, the, the authors will pop in from time to time and, you know, we'll all give each other so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. So I just had uh, one other thought here before we go into, uh, into you know, the chapter you're going to be reading. And I, I believe I know the answer to this, but uh, so it all started with the, uh, the first vampire who could not hold it. His name was Michael. Was that an accident? Oh, it's Michael the Archangel. So okay. I, I come from a Christian background, and I, his code name in the book is called the Archangel. And mm. I never thought about people going, I thought it was obvious, the Archangel, <laughs> Michael. So they put two and two. It wasn't until I was like book eight or nine when someone pinged me on Facebook, you know, one of the fans, and they said, you know, that's some huevos to be naming a character after yourself. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at him going, I, I didn't name him after, oh my gosh, how many people think, it's one of those questions whenever you ask a, a group of audience and all of a sudden you see sheepishly 80% of the people raise their hands and you're just <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe this. It's like an, an unintentional meta kind of thing going yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, because when, when you reached out to me to do this, you're like, you know, well, we're going to have some questions, not a problem. And then you're like, yeah, and then we'd like you to read a chapter. I'm like, come again. <laughs> feel like you know i was joking with you but it felt like i was always that little whiny crybaby. you're really gonna make me do this me read a book oh my gosh you're, but you're gonna make me do this okay I, for anybody that's listening you know we have the lmbbns 80 audiobooks and i tried i tried to get our our beloved host here to let me just drop you the first <laughs> chapter by emily beresford which is great but no He's like, yeah, no, we, we would really like you to read it. Oh, great. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's go into it a little bit. First, how, do, how can people find you online? Which sounds like a silly question, but uh, maybe <laughs> there could be a reader out there who does not know 
anything yeah. about the Michael Andale, uh universe. Yeah, the, the how Michael Anderley experience, you? huh? Yeah. <laughs> how do you find? How do we find you online? On Amazon, I am unique to Amazon. Uh, that was a business reason because they sell the most books, and I didn't have enough time to try to go wide. So that was my reasoning for that. Crithereanbooks.com, but Facebook is usually where you get a hold of us, and that's uh, Crithereian Gambit or Crithereian Books. And you will find five or six or seven different websites or, or in Facebook different groups because some of the ages have their own, like uh, Age of Magic has their own Facebook group or mm -hmm. uh, other authors. Um, but we're kind of a big happy family. And then you'll, you know, the, the main one has got about 10,000 fans. So that would be the, the core if you okay. find that one. All right, fantastic. So which, uh, what chapter are we going to hear today? Well, I figured, you know, what the hell. We'll start with chapter one, Death Becomes Her. It's been a while since I've looked at this. You know, it's, it's one of those situations where it feels like you've thrown the gauntlet down, right? You know, throw that yeah. gauntlet down. You're going to read something like, you know what? I may make a flaming fool of myself, but I'm going to try to read this as if I actually know what I'm doing. Oh, you're going to do great. I know it. Hey, once again, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Michael Anderley reading book one of his massively successful series, The Catharian Gambit, book one. Death becomes her. Death becomes her. May those who fight have honor, else we are doomed in the end. Unknown politician stump speech. You know the problem with honor? Honor can be a restraining bitch on you. I've decided honor was for the last generation. Bethany Ann Reynolds, queen of the unknown world. Virginia, USA. Cautiously, the large agent entered the dilapidated wooden warehouse in Old Town, Virginia taking up most of a city block and surrounded by old, weather-beaten and rusting pipes. It was an eyesore to everyone walking or driving by it. He spoke into his mic, Carl. Three heartbeats. Smells are incredibly pungent, with a slight sick smell, kind of like they're going through severe body issues or eating lots of yellow curry. I'm not sure which. He listened as Carl retorted over the earpiece. Bill, for the record, Indian food is magnificent, and your culinary bigotry is showing. Easy for you to say. I'm the one who has to smell it when you go overboard eating it. Stopping the conversation and moving silently, the agent squeezed his entirely too big body through holes, which were certainly too small. Okay, inside perimeter and we'll be making contact inside 30. That is three zero seconds. Smells include heavy bleach with a subtle aroma of aforementioned nastiness. Still three tangos, no heartbeat warnings, no talking. Carl was viewing the videotape coming from the needle camera attached to Bill's heavy helmet and mask. While there was no way Carl could ever make it on a takedown, he certainly enjoyed sitting in on the real-time action. Okay, big guy, I have all the info coming in from the sensors outside. We have no movement and nothing out of the ordinary. We don't seem to have any issues with flanking, so you are a go from this side. Your call, Billy boy, Bill swore to himself. There was one thing that got under his skin more than the last 15 years working with Carl. Other than being called Billy Boy, he didn't know what it was. One of these days, he was going to give Carl the monumental wedgie he kept asking for. Except he never said it when Bill was around, and Bill never thought about it except times like this. One of these days, though, God help him and the big guy would be upset, but he was going to make it so Carl had to be surgically removed from his shorts. Time to get back to business. Okay, approaching and have visual. Three contacts all dressed in jeans and shirts, nothing different except two have hunting vests on. One has his off and is messing with it. Can't see what he's doing as his back is to me. At that moment, one of the men cocked his head and gestured at the other two who suddenly looked in Bill's direction. You've been made, loudmouth, 
Carl couldn't keep the concern out of this playful jibe. Shit. Okay. Apparently this might get bloody. Talk to Primary and let him know we might need cleanup. Primary is already in listen-only mode. I'm sure he's setting up dispatches already. Bill heard the three guys around the card table stand up and fan out, ready to face him. <sighs> he sighed. It wasn't as if he was worried. He had taken out so many people in fights like this or gunfights, it wasn't even funny. While he looked about 38, he was closer to 76 years old. Pretty young for a vampire, actually. While bullets hurt, he would mend, and the pain would remind him not to get sloppy next time. Bill stood up, all six foot four inches, and confidently strode right over to the three guys, stopping about ten feet away. Damn, if that smell bothering him wasn't peculiar. The bleach was causing his nose severe issues, but he could still smell something over that nasty stuff. Carl watched through the video link as Bill started asking the guys if they would like to come quietly or... He never got out the next word. As all three rushed Bill and a signal from his headgear suddenly stopped. The incoming video from a couple of the cameras outside that weren't damaged showed the whole wooden warehouse go up in flames while smoking embers rained down from the sky in shrieks onto nearby buildings. Carl was pretty sure that in seconds there wouldn't be a piece of the engulfed warehouse left. His best partner, his friend, had just vanished in a big ball of heated urgency and consumption. Carl just stared at the screens, willing Bill to come running back out through the flames. Somehow, they knew they were coming, and they knew how to take a vamp down. Three of them were willing to take their own lives to make it happen. The color, what little was left, drained from Carl's face. The shock of losing his friend, the shock of being so mistaken about Bill's safety, left Carl staring at the screen. The ringing of the phone broke through his pain, his, his stupor. It was the primary contact. He hit the talk button. Yeah? His voice barely above a whisper. A gruff voice from the other end of the line. Tell me he has enough parts left that we can make it back to us, Carl, said Frank, their primary contact with the government. He had been working his solo career deep in the bowels of the darkest areas of security so long he predated Carl by decades. I have spec ops ready to extract in five minutes. No, Frank. We just lost him. All of him. I just lost my fucking best friend. Carl wanted to slam the button down as anger and anguish directed both at those who killed Bill and himself rose up. We can't get noticed right now. We're obviously being watched and something is so rotten in Denmark, I can't even think straight. I'm so sorry, Carl. Frank knew that there wasn't much he could say. Carl was his third contact on the other side of the red line, and he was aware that it was Carl's first loss. Frank had been through two others before this, and while he interacted with the agents, he was uncomfortable around them. Frank knew that no matter what the protocol said, it was never his program. What's our next step, kid? Frank had to get Carl thinking again. While Carl wasn't young compared to Frank's near century mark, he was a drop in the bucket. Step, Carl said, sounding like his mind was just idling. Nothing going on as the take from the outside camera showed the burning warehouse and registered the sirens in the distance. Probably Frank's work. As much as Carl wanted to yell and scream, cry, and drink himself into oblivion, there was only one response. With a voice only starting to come back, Carl replied, Do, Frank? There's only one choice. I have to wake him up. Any color left in Carl's face totally faded away. Oh my God, he thought. What's going to happen now? Frank, on the line hundreds of miles away, 
had much the same thought, except his thought was even more concise. It was simply, oh shit. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. I want to thank Michael Anderley for coming on the show. Uh, that was a sample chapter from Death Becomes Her, book one of the Catherian Gambit series. Make sure to get on over to one of his many, many, many Facebook pages to follow along with the series. I'll make sure and put links to the pages in the show notes. Don't forget to leave a review after you've read the book. And while you're at it, make sure you leave us a review wherever it is you're listening to us. And we will catch you again next time. Bye.